Welcome to the Wags of SCI podcast, where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Both of our partners are quadriplegics. And after connecting online in 2017, we began the advocacy and support group WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread education, awareness, and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us each week as we tackle deep discussions around balancing life as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wags of SCI podcast. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Brooke Paget and Elena Polly. Yes, welcome back. So today we are going to talk about date nights gone wrong and the very real reality of wags and their partners going out on a date night and it actually going right. So those realities are very slim. So (laughs) we definitely want to jump into this topic because it happens all the freaking time. For sure. Um, before we get into our date night discussion, date night's gone right, date night gone, gone wrong, um, we just wanted to send a shout out to this episode's sponsors. Uh, like we said last week, if you guys could follow them on Instagram or just show them some love, you know, even if you don't want to contact them or even if you're just not into the whole sponsors uh, thing, these guys are different. So our first sponsor is Robin Wishart of Wishart Brain and Spine Law. She has been the official Wags of SCI advocate for over three years now. We've worked with her behind the scenes on our own cases. And she is actually helping Elena and I to bring some justice to the unpaid caregivers in our home province of British Columbia, Canada, but also Canada in general. And then advocacy across North America for unpaid carers. And we're making some noise. And so big shout out to Robin of Wish Art Brain and Spine Law for making that happen. You can visit our website, wagsofsci.com and click on the legal resources tab and there will be a ton of information about what Robin does, her experience and how she helps the Wags of SCI community and how she can help you and your partner. You can also visit her website at brainandspinelaw.com. And then second shout out goes to Annalisa and John. So the, they're from Florida, but they have a amazing business called Rolling in Paradise. You can go to their website, rollinginparadise.com and learn all about what they do. They specialize in adaptive equipment and they do, can do anything from hand cycles to even lifts and wheelchairs. They're a VA approved vendor. They work with insurance companies to make sure you can get these equipment delivered right to your door with a low cost to you. So if you want to support a WAG of SCI, Annalisa and her partner who own this business, please visit rollinginparadise.com and let them know that you heard about them from the WAGs of SCI. Yes. So let's begin by sharing a very unfortunate, a series of unfortunate events when going out with your partner for a lovely date night. Um, As of very recently, I guess I will begin by sharing a very, very, very sad tale of what it was like to go see a concert with Dan 
Um, we were going to head out to see Elton John for his farewell tour and here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And we invited Dan's parents and it was going to be like this a really fun night. We live right on the seawall here in Vancouver. So our plan was to A, we would take a taxi because it was quite cold and rainy. Um, and if not, we were going to just walk over there. So, um, after much consensus, we decided we would call for a taxi. So the concert began at eight o'clock. And so we called for the taxi at six 30. We were told, Oh yes, yes, no problem. We will have an accessible taxi waiting for you. Um, not to worry. The guy was like super casual about it. In fact, and Right away, my eyebrow kind of went up as we were eating dinner. And I looked at Dan saying, like, why is he so casual about this? Like, (laughs) we almost never have a smooth transaction when it comes to getting an accessible taxi. So anyway, so we go outside, get all ready, bundle up, get Dan's smart drive, get uh, ourselves put together. We were going to take the smart drive because we figured taking a taxi we didn't need the power assist of his baytac for the long-term walk um so we wait so we wait until about seven and no taxi no phone call then we wait until about i think it was 7 30 so the concert starts in about half an hour and so we wait we wait we're calling we're calling to see what's happening and the dispatcher said oh they didn't call you. He should be there now. And what had happened was the taxi actually picked up um, another fare who did not require accessibility, even though it was an accessible taxi, which we have very few within each company, taxi company within the city. There are only so many accessible vans as anybody listening most likely knows. So we said, okay, well, that's great. And he says, oh, he didn't call you. We said, no, he didn't call us. So he sent the next person. So he says, I'm so sorry. There will be another guy on the way. Well, that person as well failed. So the third one we called, and at this point, we're panicking. We're about to miss the show. So we start walking. So the third one that we called said he was on his way, that he was at the Canby Bridge, which is like, I want to say like a 10 minute walk from our house. Like we could have easily walked to the Cami bridge to even meet him. And so we start walking and we're like, no, there's no way. So we, we call the, or the, we call the taxi and we tell him that we start walking and can you please pick us up at our new destination, which is down the road. He says, no, 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 that's too far for me. I can't go that way. No, I'm not going that way. And hangs up the phone on us. So at this point we're walking down to catch the C bus with Dan's parents Dan and me, we get to the C bus and there were about three C buses that came. So those are like the water taxis here in the city that will take you across the water to the stadium where the concert was performing. And it's basically like you arrive and it's right there. You arrive at like the bottom of the entrance across the street of, of the stadium. So, so we wait, we wait a few sea taxis arrive and every single time, sorry, we're not accessible. Sorry, we're not accessible. Wait for the next one. At this point, it is now 815. The concert has already began and we're sitting across the water so we can hear the music. And it was just absolutely heartbreaking to see Dan just sitting there on this pier waiting for the sea bus can hear the concert has already begun. And there is absolutely nothing that we can do. We're across the water. There's no other way to get across. 
And my heart really sunk. Dan's parents were both sort of looking at us like what? Like they couldn't believe it, that this was happening. They were like, what? Like, how is this even happening? We called the taxi so long ago. How can this even happen? So then the right seat bus comes and he is accessible. And it's the very last sea bus of the night. So there will be no more. So he is accessible, but the way that the, the dock fits to the side of the ramp that comes out of the sea bus, it is on an extreme angle that it's pretty well impossible. Like if Dan was by himself, there's no way he would have been able to go. So he tells everybody to get out of the sea bus and hop on the one side of the sea bus to pull it down to flatten the ramp enough for Dan to be able to get hoisted in there. So now we're all dangling off the side of the sea bus, trying to lean it down. And, and the man who was driving the sea bus grabs Dan and basically like throws him in there in his wheelchair. Like he was a big, big guy. Thank God. So we get on and then we get dropped off on the other side of the water um, at the stadium. And we say goodbye. And we're so happy. And we're like, oh, thank God. We're finally almost there. So we get dropped off and we go up the ramp to where we need to cross the street to get to the stadium. And now we are faced with eight stairs. There is no way around left or right. There is only stairs. And it's just like one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, this is so frustrating because I can see it. I can smell it. I can hear it. It's all here. The concert is here. But now we are faced with all these stairs. And Dan in a wheelchair with a smart drive. So out of panic, both Dan's father, who's like had multiple hernias, um, and I start ripping him up in his wheelchair. One person grabs the front, the other one grabs the back. And our adrenaline is literally pumping because we're just so frustrated at this point. The concert is long began. And it is nearing 9 p.m. at this time. So we rip him up the stairs, unrealizing, completely not realizing that his beta, that his smart drive and the hitch are on the back of his chair. So that gets mangled. So then we take the smart drive off and his mom now has to carry it because the hitch is not in the in the proper position for his smart drive to be on to actually work as a power assist. And then now we're we're having to push Dan across the street to the stadium and try to find the accessible entrance. So we're going around and around and sorry, this entrance is closed. Follow the arrows. You'll find another accessible entrance. So now we're chasing around trying to get in. So then we finally arrive. We get in into the concert. We go into the wheelchair section where we're supposed to be seated, where our seats are. And there are no chairs to sit beside anybody in a wheelchair. So they're usually what they are, are companion seats. So the person in the chair has their own chair, obviously. And then right beside them, there's usually a fold out chair that you sit on. So there are no chairs. The concert has long began at eight o'clock. It is now nine Oh five PM. And so we ask the, one of the employees, we say, there are no chairs. There's three of us. Can we please get some chairs? And he looks at us and he says, there are no chairs. And he says, I'll go check the staff room. Now, this is an incredibly huge venue that people pay a lot of money for these tickets. And now we have somebody chasing around the (laughs) arena looking in the staff rooms for chairs. 
So we're standing there. We're in the way. We're very much aware that we're like very disruptive. The concert began. People are sitting there because in the wheelchair section, you you sit and you're able to enjoy the show. It's a beautiful section. They have some of the best seats in the house. And so we're kind of fumbling around. Long story short, we got some chairs. We sat down and the performance was actually quite terrible. Um, we couldn't hear a word of anything, which is a totally a total side note, like has nothing to do with the inaccessible adventure that we just had. But it was kind of the icing on the cake. And both Dan and I looked at each other. And we sort of said, do you want to just leave? Like we couldn't hear anything. The video of Elton John was the screen was vibrating, shaking. That's how loud it was plugging our ears, trying to listen. To, you couldn't hear a word of anything he was saying. It was just overpowering. And I think that, you know, had we arrived on time, this could have gone a totally different direction. We would have been able to sit down, grab a drink, you know, grab a little blanket, get cozy and probably would have stuck it out. But at this point, we were just like so done. We were so frustrated that, at you know, 35 years old, being in a wheelchair, you can't even go out to you can't go on a date night. You can't go to a venue. You can't meet your friends. You can't go for a dinner reservation because you will always, always, always be late. This happened to us for a 10 year anniversary just in September. We had beautiful reservations at a beautiful restaurant. And we were late. And then on the way home, we had to wait another hour. So it's it's just so frustrating. You know, it's very difficult to not get frustrated because here, you know, I said to Dan at one point, we're done our dinner. We just had a fabulous dinner. And now we're, you know, it's time for them to flip the table. So we have to go. So we call a taxi about an hour, at least an hour in advance. Sometimes we even pre-book it. And we're standing on the side of the road waiting for a cab. Like for about over an hour and we're both kind of tired and you're full and you want to just go home and be cozy. But instead you get a stand and you wait and not knowing whether the next ta- cab that will show up is actually even accessible. Does the driver know how to plug somebody in, how to hook them up in the back properly, safely? Do they, are they capable of driving accordingly to the road conditions, to speed bumps, to how do they turn their van? It's all of it. And it's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Well, I mean, just listening to these stories, I mean, on our private group, on our Facebook private group, I would say at least once a week we get a story about a date night gone wrong or about an outing gone wrong. Probably more than that, where it's just a very similar situation. Um, Long wait times, somebody didn't show up, somebody, you know, had to go up the stairs and they injured themselves. And so I think this this episode is really, really important for friends and family of someone in a wheelchair to listen to because it allows you to have more compassion for the next time you invite someone out just to make sure that it's an accessible venue and, you know, they have a ride and, you know, give them ample notice. And I, I just think the understanding needs to be there because there's, like you said, I, I mean, a lot of the times we go out, we're late because there are certain issues you have to navigate, right? And here's the thing, as you were talking about your experiences, I was thinking the whole time, well, because we're we're constructive thinkers. We like to like analyze things and we like to like figure things out. And I'm sure a lot of WAGs out there feel the same way and have similar personalities because you kind of have to in this life. But you're like, how can I avoid this from happening again? How can I prevent this from happening again? 
And, <laughs> you know, you could call the cab early, but then you risk them coming early because the one time you call early, they come, right? <laughs> so it's like, if you got like, that's happened to us so many times where it's like, we had to be on time somewhere. We called a cab <laughs> and we're like, giving ourselves notice like oh yeah we'll have a cab and they came within like three minutes and it was just so out of the ordinary and we're just like oh my god so <laughs> i don't know what what else do you do to avoid that kind of thing from happening i mean, I mean what is the answer <laughs> well and a lot of the time too like this sounds like extremely like rhetorical and a little bit s- silly but a lot of the time couples end up just if they have an accessible van they end up just driving themselves so it's like now you're going out for drinks you're sharing a bottle of wine and you're getting in your vehicle and you're driving home because you know that is the only reliable source of transportation but at the same time it's like okay so now you're drinking and driving you know what i mean like what other options are there dd at a celebration exactly or you're the dd for every celebration for every single celebration you're the one that's sitting there just like okay great honey enjoy your glass of wine or by yourself right like it's just so ridiculous or you don't end up going out at all anymore and i almost like i can't help but wonder if that is exactly the directive of businesses it's like do you not want to support people in chairs to go out and you know and how many times have you showed up saying hey i just want an accessible table but your foot plate is hitting the table because it's not an accessible table you can't get close enough to your food to your meal and then you have somebody you know you have the host saying oh there's just a couple steps like can't you just like deal with it no you can't deal with it it's yeah. not a deal with it situation. It's when you're a wheelchair user, not to mention, are the, is the door frame wide enough? But what about the bathroom? What a, is the bathroom door too heavy or is it, is it light enough that you can exit the, the bathroom by yourself? There's just so much around this, like for an evening to go out and you're right. I am really, really glad that our family members have been, have been witness to this twice, actually, as of, as of recently to us showing up for a reservation that we were meeting our family to two hours late. Yeah. Two hours late. And (laughs) anyone, and anyone who's listening can have, has had that experience. Like I, I don't know anybody in this community that hasn't had that at least one experience like that, if not dozens. I remember the worst thing that's ever happened to us was we were supposed to go to an engagement party. And this was when Evan was still at GF strong. For those of you who don't know what GF strong is, that's the local rehab hospital here. And he was about a month and a half away from his discharge. And we were supposed to go, I think it was about a 10 minute drive away, but it just wasn't walkable for us um, because he was at the point where he was fragile, right? We wanted to go to a warm house and get out of the cold and, um, We ended up waiting for almost three hours, three hours at GF Strong, calling three different cabs, multiple people answering the phone, telling us that someone's coming. Um, I don't know. I I think I was like, I don't know why I wouldn't have just started walking, but I was also like wanting to see what was going to happen. And uh, it was this big thing. And I remember that I called the manager of one of the taxi companies here in Vancouver after this. Cause I was like, what is going on? Like, why does this happen? And he's, so this is, <laughs> this was one of the worst things that I've ever heard um, about disabled people. So the excuse that he gave was because you're calling from GF strong, which everybody knows it's the rehab hospital. 
the drivers know that they're going to get someone with more needs um, and it's going to be a too difficult for them and B (laughs) he (laughs) literally said this he said B they think and he was kind of framing it in a way that was like because they're kind of separate contractors I have no control over them like he was kind of putting the blame on the drivers so he was basically saying like well they're 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 super stubborn they don't listen to me but here's the reasons why so the second reason he gave was because most wheelchair users are on income assistance or not working while they're at rehab they don't tip and it's too much work for no tip he's like this is what the drivers think and that's why they decline the um I don't know what you would call that, the invite to go to that location because they know it, that they're going to have to get out of their car and work hard. And I was like literally shocked. Well, which is actually quite interesting when you say this. You're like, so what do you think that we do with our partners every time we have to transfer them in and out of our vehicles or we right. have to hook them up ourselves and we're unpaid. Well, we love them. Care- <laughs> yes. We love them. So we'll do it. Right. That's what they no, think. But- That's what everybody thinks. But my point, right? my point is, it's like, yes, and we're unpaid spousal caregivers that just want to go out for a date night without having to worry about doing these things. Yet the drivers who are getting paid, this is your job. You're avoiding it. Like what? Yeah. And, and also putting huge discrimination on people that just want to ride somewhere that may need help. Like, where's the compassion? Right. Like, how would you you're assuming that because people are, you know, down and out, maybe that they're not going to give you a tip. What about just do your job? (laughs) What about just do your job? It's like my biggest pet peeve. You and I talk about this all the time. It's like the biggest pet peeve of life is when and especially in this life when you're asking for help. Um, where people just don't have the answers or just don't know. And instead they give you the runaround. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll be there. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll show up at seven. And it's like, okay, it's now nine o'clock. Yeah. Why didn't you just say no? (laughs) Well, and I mean, this can extend far past date nights too. Like Mm -hmm. think about how often someone says, oh, I'll be there at this time. And then they show up two hours late or, they don't show up at all. Like we've discussed this so many times about home care, how they're understaffed and underpaid and overworked and, you know, they don't show up and then it lands in our hands. And this is just part of, you know, our general argument against unpaid spousal caregiving um, and more recognition in the community. Because like we always say, we take over because we love our partners. We're not going to leave them stranded. Right. Well, and this is why it's important to discuss this for Caregiver Awareness Month. Like even this morning, Dan had his had his um, care in the morning. The second she closed the door, he was like, oh, my God, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom. And then right there, like I get sort of frustrated. I mean, I do get frustrated because I sort of wonder, OK, what if I was not in the house and you now have to go to work? So yeah. what are you going to do? And, you know, and in the moment, it, it is a frustrating situation. But like the, both partners have valid concerns around this and, and valid feelings and worries around this from both perspectives, because here's a part here's a guy, you know, now needing to be to use the toilet or need to be need help getting cleaned up and stuff to, to begin his day, which he thought was going to begin right away now is not. But what, what happens when you have employment outside of the home and you need to show up to your job 
It's like, so are you now deemed unreliable? How many times can this happen? What kind of, depending on your position, right? How many times can this happen? But also what if I was outside the house and now he's left here stranded and let's, let's be serious. Anytime that he has called for home support to come back, they come hours later. It's not like a quick, oh yes, we'll just turn around and come back. No, no, no. They have a very tight schedule where every 20 minutes they are booked. They know what they're doing. Either they're commuting to the next client or they are trying to catch a bus or they're needing to run out the door. So you know, they are so booked solid. These companies are so booked solid that they're back to back to back. They work very, very, very hard. And I think it's really important to mention, especially for people that maybe are listening that aren't away or aren't someone in a chair that don't know. um, It's really important to mention that it's not these people's fault. I mean, yes, of course, there are bad apples everywhere, but it's the system's fault. It's the way the system is set up and it's set up for profit over care. And this is the whole problem with our Western society is everything is set up for profit instead of actually helping the people that need it. And then it falls back on the caregiver's hands once again. And that is unrecognized and unpaid and unsupported. And it's just, I feel like everything we're talking about recently just goes back to, okay, this is on the shoulders of caregivers. And like you were mentioning before, about women who have to go to work and women who may not be like, I remember before when you were working as a server, you would have to run home early from your shifts. Oh my God. All the time, all the time. Well, it's like, you're expected to do that. Um, and you're expected to be there and you're expected to help. And, Oh, what about your wife? Isn't she there? Like I've, there's so many times that insurance case managers have been (laughs) like, well, what about her? Isn't she there? (laughs) They rely on it. They rely on you to be there. They rely on pulling your heartstrings. They know that you care deeply about your partner and they know, let's face it. You're a woman that has an, a big heart, right? They know that and they use it. They use it to keep money in their own pockets. And, you know, we always get into this because this is what we do at Wags of SCI, especially behind the scenes is we advocate in this for this um, type of thing all the time. And it just always, everything that happens always points back to being used and abused by the system in this life. And that's why we're so, so dedicated to, talking about the things that nobody else wants to talk about and giving people insights into what actually happens. Because like we always say, spinal cord injury can happen to anyone at any time. It does not discriminate based on your wealth. It doesn't discriminate based on how young and fit you are. It can happen to anybody. Both of our partners were the fittest they'd ever been when they got injured. It doesn't matter. They were both young, strapping young lads, right? Um, it's, It's important to talk about these things. And you know, Uh, We've gotten a few times like, oh, like from people that aren't in the community. Oh, this makes me feel like bad when I listen to it. Or like, why are you complaining about this? Like it just, you know, even people in my own family have been like, not immediate family, but like family have been like, well, why do you talk about this? It's so depressing. And it's like, well, you know what? We like to put a positive spin on everything. We like to be solutions oriented, but part of advocacy is showing the dirty stuff that nobody wants to listen to because it triggers them. Right. But triggering is good. (laughs) <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it also sort of stems back to the Washington Post live that we were um, honored to be a part of just a few weeks ago. And it was you know, the pandemic certainly has highlighted the crisis in caregiving. And um, it's it's a very interesting narrative that I feel 
even mainstream media has now spun in recognizing caregivers because just a couple years ago before pandemic, (laughs) nobody cared. Nobody cared about spousal caregivers. Stop bitching, stop complaining, do whatever you need to do or leave. That was the narrative, really. And I find it, um, you know, kind of tying back to who are caregivers and you touched base upon this earlier. So I'm going to echo it again. Unpaid domestic duties is where it stems from. We're not in the 1950s anymore. And this also ties into parental caregivers or adult caregivers to their elderly uh, parents and how the government treats them. And I can speak on this as well, being my mom's caregiver whenever she called while she was staying at long-term care facilities. And I remember showing up and saying, "What, what the heck? Like she's in a facility that she's paying for. Um, but now she's asking me to change her depends or help her eat, make, make her a meal, um, clean her house. And it's the end of my workday. It's now 5 PM and I'm rushing over there to help her because she's in panic knowing that nobody is going to show up even within the walls of long-term care facilities. And I can't help but wonder what would have happened if I didn't show up. And I, and I, I see this time and time again from friends, from, from other women writing in and sharing their experiences of this. And the truth is healthcare workers, they are an incredible source. We need them. We, I don't know where we would be without them, but they are also human beings. They also have lives. They also have children and maybe elderly parents and maybe spouses in wheelchairs that they are tired. They are burned out. So. The government and our system basically subsidizes that from the unpaid labor of spousal caregivers, of parental caregivers. That is just the thing. That is just the way it is. So like you said, the advocacy around this is huge. It's important. And yes, sure, it gets a little bitchy and whiny to talk about this over and over again. But you have to until we create some sort of ripple effect for change. This has to be talked about and it has to be brought to somebody in power and authority. And, you know, sort of to sort of to go back to what we were saying about our experience with the taxi situation last night when I got home and Dan was making dinner, we sat down and I saw, you know, we're, we're eating dinner, but he's really his attention was really taken to his phone. And I said, I looked at it and I could see that he was writing a really long email. So I said, what are you doing? And he said, you know, I'm just so embarrassed. Like I'm humiliated. I'm so tired and sick of it. It's been almost seven years since his injury. He says, I'm a 35 year old male who just wants to go out to a concert with his parents, with his fiance, but I can't. I'm treated as a child that my needs don't matter, that... It doesn't matter if I paid full price for these tickets or that my parents came from out of town or that we've made arrangements for a nice dinner prior, but we can't even go out to that. Or, you know, it's all it's all just wrapped up in this. He's like, it doesn't matter because at the very end of the day, I won't even be able to get there in time to sit there and enjoy it with my parents. So now it's like, you know how it's a bugger. It would have been a bugger for his parents on their own to be late and miss a concert. But especially when it's completely outside of our hands, their hands, 
and you all just sort of like follow through. It's like, who's going to give us refunds for these tickets? And I mean, this is just like a very small example of like the emergency, emergency state of what accessible um, vans do or don't do. Um, you know, another example was my mom when Dan and I went out for dinner on in April, last April. And I got a phone call. It was the first dinner we went out into or out for in months and months because I wasn't allowed to go out being unvaccinated. So we went out, we sat down and I was already feeling quite anxious about being out because it's been some time. And throughout our our dinner, before we were going to go to a soccer game, I kept on getting these missed phone calls from the hospital. So I sort of thought, okay, my gosh, like this is the one night that I'm out. Like, who knows what this is about? So I finally answered it. We just, we arrived at the soccer game. We just sat down with our drinks. And the phone call was that my mom's health was declining extremely rapidly and that I needed to get to the hospital. So we ran out of the soccer stadium and now we're on the street trying to wave down a, um, a taxi. And in that moment, as I'm standing there sobbing, I had to make the decision to leave Dan downtown and hop in a cab and go and let him figure out his own ride, an accessible van ride, or stay there with him. And he said, no, it was an emergency. It was a very, very serious emergency. When I arrived, she was completely out. She was out cold. We weren't sure if she, what was happening, but even to make decisions like that, where you look at your partner and the, you know, your partner, who's your support, somebody that you need there for you during an emergency like this. And you have to look at them and, and you have to say, I'm leaving. I have to go. So these are the kind of decisions that the women, the partners, the men in our community have to face. It's unjust. It's wrong. This is 2022. There is a problem here, a very, very big problem here. And it sounds so stupid. It's like, we're talking about transportation. Like why, why, how is transportation one of the biggest issues in this community? Well, I mean, let's do like a little hypothetical situation here because I know a lot of women in the community feel powerless. And part of the reason why we do WEGS of SCI is so that we can empower women by using our own personal stories and advocacy to help inspire them to work on their own cases themselves and to not give up and to not say, oh, this is how it is. It has to stay this way forever. That is just not the case. You have to think outside of the box. You have to open yourself up to be able to think outside of the box, which means you have to think, okay, I'm in this situation right now where I feel like I'm drowning and I feel like no one's listening to me and I feel like I don't matter and I'm stressed out and I have no money. How do I get out of this? So I think the first thing that people need to understand is this is a, I hate to say it, but everything is based around money. Everything is based around how much people are paid and how much money a company is making and how much money a government is making and how much money they have to spend based on how much people are using services and budgets and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all about money. And so my thing is like, you have to figure out where the income is coming from that is available to you, whether it is through government, through insurance, through a program in your community, through another foundation. There are avenues that you can 
I don't want to say exploit, but you can use, like you can literally use to your advantage in order to help yourself out, no matter what situation you're in. So here in Canada, and we have talked about this many, many times, we have uh, avenues to pay. Our, Our disabled partners can actually hire their own caregivers, right? This is paid for by the government. This is paid for by our workers' comp. And I know it's the same in the States, There are a lot, there are only eight uh, states that allow spouses to be hired on those programs. But all the other states that don't, there is so much opportunity for you to advocate for yourself and to change that. So we've talked about in the past how we're working on our own cases to change that because it is against human rights. And it is a violation to have to provide all of this free labor on your own back and not be able to support yourself and be stressed out about money because again, let's tie it back to money. So let's put that aside for a second. Let's talk about how this could be remedied and how what it has to do with money. So let's just say you had money. Let's just say you were able to be hired by Dan or you were able to be paid by your insurance or the government in order to, the bare minimum to look after him, Okay when he doesn't have care. So you would have that money and you would have that on file. You'd be able to do your taxes. You would have, you would be worth more on paper than you are now. And it's just basic human rights. When you're working, you should be paid for it, right? Especially when they're more than happy to hire someone else that has even less experience than you do and doesn't care as much to be paid, what, three times the price is what you would get paid. So you're making all this money. You're making what you're worth, to be honest. Not like you'd be rolling in the dough. You'd just be making the bare minimum of what you're doing for your partner. You would get equal rights under the law, which is, it is a human right. It is, according to BC employment standards, you should be paid, right? So now that you have that money, you have extra income, Okay, what does that mean? That means that A, you may be able to afford a wheelchair van or you may be able to afford to get two taxis at one time, one to carry your partner or one to carry you and you would be able to go and it wouldn't be a question of, okay, well, maybe he needs to take the sky train and figure it out because we can't afford to pay, you know, $80 for cabs. Um, you would be able to afford to do a lot more things than you do now. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying just WEGS in general, if they mm-hmm. had that ex- extra income behind them, right? No, no, but also me. <laughs> I'll right, say me. <laughs> right, and me, and me, and me. We're both in the same situation. So we would be able to not only ha- pay for the extra things that we need because it costs so much more to be disabled nowadays, but we would also be able to look after ourselves in the form of getting massages when we need it, getting healthcare when we need it, taking care of our bodies by the form of, you know, maybe getting a trainer, getting someone to help us with doing things that help our bodies and help our minds, counseling, all of this stuff that comes with an increased income. So when you think about that, and when you think about how much pushback we get when we go and advocate for this, And how much, as we advocate more and more and more for change, and we go up against these big guys and the old boys that are in charge of making these rules that are so outdated from the 50s, we peel back the layers slowly and slowly and slowly, and they realize, holy shit, these women have a point. This is unjust. This doesn't make sense under the law. This is a violation of human rights. This isn't something that we... When you, it's just nobody's advocated for it in the past. People are shut down. People are too afraid. So 
the, my point being is, is if you had that income behind you, the stress would be less. You would be more looked after. You wouldn't worry about where you're, how you're going to get to a place to and from. You wouldn't worry about losing money on the Elton John tickets, right? It, it would be a different situation. And I know, you know, I'm probably going to get some eye rolls for saying this because it is about money. It is. It is about paying you what you're worth for what you're doing instead of somebody else that they would pay for anyways well, in order to live your life how you want to live it. Well, and here's the other thing. I know that um, there are many women in our community who are in our position as well. And when when we even ask these women, we say, well, why don't you go get a job where you do have benefits and a pension? They they come back saying, because then who's going to take care of my partner for these emergency sort of situations? Like he, he just had his bowel program, his routine, and the, the nurse shuts the door, walks out the door, and then he says, oh, shit literally right so then it's like so who's who's going to be there to pick that pick up the pieces so you do have to sort of within your own household and partnership you have to weigh out the risk and reward and evaluate so it's either i'm gone right now and this happens to him and he stays at home waiting all day long for somebody to come up to come and help him um, or I stay home and then I can help him during these situations, you know, and, it, and here's another crazy thing. One, another time I wasn't able to help him. I was, I was, oh, I wasn't home. I wasn't home. I was either working or I was out somewhere running errands. Probably. I don't remember what happened. I think I was outside of the city. I was out of the city and um, Dan, the same thing happened to him and it was evening and he called home care and they said, oh, we can't send anybody. It's like 1030. So he called his cousin who was like, I don't know where he was. He was out with some friends out for dinner or something, called his cousin and said, hey, man, I really need help. And his cousin was like, no problem. Be right there. No issue at all. Came over and Dan was like, so he was uncomfortable having to have his like, you know, his almost 40 year old cousin who's his buddy helping him get cleaned up and stuff. But Dylan showed up and he was like, Hey, no big deal. Anytime you call me anytime, helped him and then went back to his dinner. And it was like, exactly. Wow. And it's like the, the fact that a, first of all, that he did that is like, I hate to even say this, but like, that's pretty cool. Like that's pretty like legit. And again, you know, some people in the community say, oh, well, you know, caregivers are these women. They you're not the hero. You don't need the praise. It's you don't understand from the other perspective of what it's like to drop everything you're doing because there is nobody else to help. There is nobody else. The hired help is not going to show up. So it's just another example of how so needed family support for individuals is and it's not just disabled people the family support is for anybody who requires extra assistance whether it's kids elderly aging parents with illnesses or your partner with an sei it's just as a community we do we have to come together as a community but we also have to advocate for ourselves and you know thank god that we have people that really love us and that we love back that are that are willing to show up in the middle of their dinner while they're out somewhere willing to come to your house and help you because 
everybody understands that there is just not enough support. But once again, these top CEOs of these foundations and organizations are still lining their pockets. And, you know, it's a totally different topic. But in search of a cure, it's like if you really wanted to help, you would start with some of the basic level needs, such as paying the spousal caregivers, finding support, finding education and resources and support for their relationship, for counseling, for therapy, for anything else, not necessarily to find a cure because that is way on the other spectrum. And let's face it, how many cures have we found for anything, not just SCI? It goes across the board. So why don't we start at home? Start where it really, where the support really, really needs to be had. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of flashy foundations out there who are working on a cure anyways. We don't, they don't all need to be working on a cure, right? There, there needs to be more boots on the ground. This is what matters. Foundations that are willing to kind of like help people in their daily lives. It's really important. That's part of another reason why we do what we do is because this stuff is what really, really matters. It doesn't matter about a gala and fundraising with $2,500 plate dinners. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, What matters is like the people that are experiencing date nights gone wrong. (laughs) It's really important. So let's just quickly kind of um, wrap up, wrap this episode up by discussing what, these women can do right now in order to advocate for themselves in order to kind of shift their perspective from one of survival. And I almost give up kind of attitude to one of like, okay, I can think outside the box. What do I do? Well, so just to quickly um, wrap up my story about Dan, what he was doing, we were sitting down for dinner, he was writing a lengthy email. And a few weeks ago, he was taking Watson, our newest dog Watson to the dog park. And he, I guess he met another woman who had another doodle or poodle or whatever he was, Bernice poodle or something like that. And they started talking and long story short, she, her, she is our areas. Um, MLA. So we live in the, in this, in the sector or the area of Falls Creek here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And she, she said, you know, she was asking Dan, she said, how are you finding the housing around here? Da, 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 da. So he sat down last night and he wrote a long email to her and he said, you know, I know we were talking about housing, but let's talk about transportation. At 35 years old, I am unable to go for a nice dinner with my fiance without being like two hours late for my re- reservation. <laughs> it's like you're eating, you may as well grab some sandwiches and just go sit and eat on the, on the sidewalk while you wait for the bus. Like anyway, so that is, I would highly, highly suggest try to figure out who it is, who's your representative within your area, because these small, you know, these small elections within your area they actually matter and and they want to hear from you they want to know what the consensus of the public what they need what are their needs how do they get their needs met how do they get voted in you know this kind of stuff actually matters so it does take time it takes a lot of heart it takes a lot of uh frustration sometimes to really like you said get your boots on the ground and and do the work and it it starts at home it starts with you so never, ever, ever forget that. Like your voice matters, even though your voice might be small. 
our voices were really, really small when we, we began this in 2017. It was just the two of us with five bucks in our pocket at a coffee shop. Now, our network of women is or supporters is around 12,000. So your voice might be small now, but if you speak up, you never know who's listening or reading or seeing or, you know, happens to stumble across your story. That's just going to say, you know what? Me too. I, me too. This happened to me too. And we can band together. Yeah. And you know, that thing that we all have in common where we start talking to someone about our story, um, especially when it comes to the spinal cord injury part. I don't know anybody who haven't, hasn't had this happen to them where they're talking about a spinal cord injury and their partner and the person they're speaking to is like, Oh, I know a guy or my brother is like in a, in a chair or my cousin or my ex-girlfriend is in a chair. Right. We all have commonalities that you may not think matter, but they do. Remember Elena, this was a few years ago when we contacted our local representative, David Ebby, our MP, we contacted him, his office, talking about the caregiver issue. And this was well before the time of when they (laughs) finally got their act together and realized it was a caregiver crisis after COVID. This was before COVID, right before COVID. Um, We had a Zoom meeting with him and his team. And at the time, we were like, okay, well, this probably won't go anywhere, but it doesn't matter. And guess what? David Ebby is probably going to be stepping into the shoes of our next premier here in mm-hmm. BC soon. And we know that he would remember us. We know that he, the meeting was almost an hour long. He will remember what we were talking about. And you don't know who he has talked to or what doors that could open or how legislation could be changed because of what he heard from us. Right? Well, and also who, who, he could have also had other people come forward saying, you know, there are some issues within the yeah. exact same conversation that we're having here. Yeah. And I believe so strongly that life is all about acquiring knowledge and opening your eyes to certain things that you may, you didn't know before. It's about growth. And even just that little meeting that we had, it's not going to disappear from his brain. It's going to be there and it's, he's going to be reminded of it at some point and it's going to impact even just members of his office, like it's the trickle effect, right? And so we would encourage everybody out there who wants to make a change to put this in writing and email your local government representatives. And then if you want to go even further, we have a few episodes a while back in the podcast about advocating with insurance and trying to kind of initiate some change for uh, caregivers if if you have to go through insurance or government programs. It's kind of both very similar, You have to start somewhere though. And the first thing you have to do is, especially if your partner already has a program where he can hire care aids himself, you can go to your insurance company and apply to be hired. And if they deny you, they'll show why. And then if they go back again and again and again and again for 10 years, like Brooke and Evan. (laughs) Well, exactly. You've got to keep looking at why they're denying you. Right. And then you can appeal it and then you can appeal it again and then you can appeal it again. And, you know, (laughs) it has been, it, it has been eight years now of (laughs) us trying to get me paid and, Um, we're at the point where they're not stopping me because of my marital status anymore. They're not stopping me and saying no, just because. So that is a huge step. We've also had some policies change in our, in our insurer here in BC as far as that. So it is possible now to be hired before it wasn't possible at all. And so, yes, like Elena said, it's frustrating 
But if you want to make moves, you have to start small and the doors will open for you. You'll start to see, oh, there's an opportunity I never thought of. Oh, there's an opportunity that I didn't think of. And now I think about it. It's all about expanding your mind and going outside of the box. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) in actually wrapping this up after almost an hour, (laughs) I guess what we want to say is date nights from hell will continue to happen. (laughs) So stay home. No, don't stay home. (laughs) Um, Do not stay home. Do not get discouraged. Do fun things still. Go out for nice dinners still. Go to theaters and movies and whatever you want to do. But a lot of it, and we've said this so many times, a a lot of it, you cannot rely on anybody. So, so... We hear you. We see you. Thank you for writing in with this topic as well, because it gave us a lot of a lot of oomph to get this podcast going about this. And I'm sure you could you could sense it in the tone of our voices throughout the, this episode. The frustration, the never ending frustration year after year, month after month with accessible um, vans, accessible taxis, not showing up. So if you have a story such as this, please continue to write in to wags of SEI at gmail.com. We are always all ears. We know that there, there is a lot happening in the lives of couples, just trying to navigate their best life, just trying to create a new normal, trying to take a deep breath and celebrate life instead of feeling like you're really overpowered and drowning. So we are always here. We have an incredible group of women on the private discussion group on Facebook, which is called the Wags of SEI private discussion group. They, it's a great space to come forward and hear from other women who've been living this lifestyle, this life, this partnership with their partners in uh, the SEIs for a long time. So there's a lot, there are a lot of women from all walks of life that are willing and able to give you advice, to listen to you, to hear you out and help you and support you. Because let's face it, community, community is everything. It is the very source of how we continue to navigate lives our lives from personal experience because we know best not just reading from a textbook but when you have lived through something you know firsthand what it's like to live this life with a very unique experience and relationship so thank you for tuning in once again with your hosts Selena Pauli and Brooke Paget thank you for listening feel free to reach out anytime and until next time be safe and love each other